guys and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Guru. We get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, Tex Guru, and today we continue our journey into Aladdin and the Arabian Nights with the story of the further adventures of the fisherman. Remember that dude who found the genie and then they had that whole long discourse? Well, yeah, he has more adventures with those fish. Now, let's get our tea and get started. Today's tea is Tamario Kucha. Actually, there are two types of Tamario Kucha. The first one is steamed, just like most Japanese green teas, but the second one is pan-fried, which is a Chinese process. Pan-fried Tamario Kucha is known as Kamairi Tamario Kucha. The term Tamario Kucha by itself refers to the steam version and is also called Mushiguri and Kuricha. Guricha, yeah, Guricha. Right, so that's pretty cool. Um, I haven't tasted this tea yet. I would like to, though. I didn't know that all Japanese um, teas uh, were so, like, intricate, honestly. Same thing with Korean teas, so it was really, really nice. Okay, so let's get into our stories of the further adventures of the fisherman. The fisherman, being resolved to follow the genie's advice, forbore casting his nets a second time and returned to the town very well satisfied. He went immediately to the sultan's palace to offer his fish. The sultan was much surprised when he saw the four fish which the fisherman presented. He took them up one after another and viewed them with attention and after having admired them for a long time, took those fish, said he to his vizier, and carried them to the cook. I cannot imagine but that they must taste, they must be as good as they are beautiful, and gave the fisherman 400 gold pieces. The fisherman, who had never seen so much money, could scarcely believe his good fortune, but thought the whole must be a dream, until he found it otherwise, by being able to provide necessaries for his family. As soon as the cook had cleaned the fish, she put them upon the fire in a frying pan with oil, and when she thought them fried enough on one side, she turned upon the other. But, O oh monstrous prodigy, scarcely would it turned when the wall of the kitchen divided and a young lady of, be- of wonderful beauty entered the opening. She was clad in flowered satin, with pendants in her ears, a necklace of large pearls and bracelets of gold set with rubies with her rod in her hand. She moved towards the frying pan to the great amazement of the cook, who continued fixed by the sight and striking one of the fish with the end of the rod said, Fish, fish, are you in beauty? The fish, having answered nothing, she repeated these words, and then the four fish lifted up their heads and replied, Yes, yes, if you reckon, we reckon. If you pay your debts, we pay ours. If you fly, we overcome and are content. As soon as they had finished these words, the lady overturned the frying pan and returned into the open part of the wall, which closed immediately and became as it was before. The cook was greatly frightened at what had happened and coming a little to herself, went to take up the fish that had fallen on the hearth, but found them blacker than cool and not fit to be carried to the sultan. Alas, said she, what will become of me if I tell the sultan what I have seen? I am sure he will not believe me, but will be enraged against me. 
While she was thus bewailing herself, the Grand Vizier entered and asked her if the fish were ready. She told him all that had occurred, which we may easily imagine astonished him, but without speaking a word of it to the Sultan, he invented an excuse that satisfied him, and sending immediately for the fisherman, bid him bring four more such fish, which the fisherman promised to do on the morrow. Accordingly, the fisherman threw in his nets, betimes next morning, took four fish like the former, and brought them to the vizier at the hour appointed. The minister took them himself, carried them to the kitchen, and shut himself up with the cook. She cleaned them and put them on the fire, as she had done the four others the day before, and when they were fried on one side, and she had turned them upon the other, the vizier became a witness of the same events as the cook had narrated to him. This is too wonderful and extraordinary, said he, to be concealed from the sultan. I will inform him of this prodigy. The sultan, being much surprised, sent immediately for the fisherman and said to him, Friend, can you not bring me four more such fish? The fisherman replied, If your majesty will be pleased to allow me until tomorrow, I will do it. He caught four fish and brought them to the sultan, who was so much rejoiced that he ordered the fisherman four hundred pieces of gold. The sultan had the fish carried into his closet with all that was necessary for frying them, and having shut himself up with the vizier, the minister put them into the pan, and when they were fried on one side, turned them upon the other, then the wall of the closet opened, but instead of the young lady, there came out a black, in the habit of a slave, and, a gi and of gi a gigantic stature, with a great green staff in his hand. He advanced towards the pan, and touching one of the fish with his staff, said with a terrible voice, Fish, are you in your duty? At these words, the fish raised up their heads and answered, Yes, yes, we are. If you reckon, we reckon. If you pay your debts, we pay ours. If you fly, we overcome and are content. The fish had no sooner finished these words than the black threw the pan into the middle of the closet and reduced the fish to a coal. Having done this, he retired fiercely and entered again into the aperture. It closed and the wall appeared just as it did before. After what I have seen, said the sultan to the vizier, it will not be possible for me to be easy. These fish, without doubt, signify something extraordinary. He sent for the fisherman, and on hearing where the fish had been caught, he commanded all his court to take horse, and the fisherman served them for a guide. They all ascended the mountain, and at the foot of it they saw, to their great surprise, a vast plain that nobody had observed till then. And at last they came to the lake, where they, which they found to be situated betwixt four hills, as the fisherman had described. The water was so, trans so transparent that they observed all the fish to be like those which the fisherman had brought to the palace. The sultan stood upon the bank of the lake, beholding the fish with admiration. On his demanding of his courtiers, if it were possible they had never seen this lake, which was at so short a distance of the town, they all answered that they had never so much as heard of it. Since you all agree that you never heard of it, and as I am no less astonished than you are at this novelty, I am resolved not to return to my palace till I learn how this lake came here and why all the fish in it are of four colours. Having spoken thus, he ordered his court to encamp, and immediately his pavilion and the tents of his household were planted upon the banks of the lake. Resolved to withdraw alone from the camp to discover the secret of the portents that so disturbed his mind, the sultan bade his grand vizier inform the court that illness accounted for his absence until such time as he should return. 
The Grand Vizier endeavoured to divert the Sultan from this design, but all to no purpose. The Sultan was resolved. He put on a suit fit for walking and took his scimitar, and as soon as he found that all was quiet in the camp, went out alone. As the sun arose, he saw before him, at a considerable distance, a vast building of black, polished marble, covered with fine steel as smooth as glass. Being highly pleased that he had so speedily met with something worthy of his curiosity, he advanced towards the gate, which was partially opened. Though he immediately, though he might immediately have entered, yet he thought it best to knock. This he did again and again, but no one appearing, he was exceedingly surprised. At last he entered, and when he came within the porch, he cried, Is there no one here to receive a stranger who comes in for some refreshment as he passes by? But though he spoke very loud, he was not answered. The silence increased, increased his astonishment. He came into a spacious court and looked on every side for inhabitants, but discovered none. He then entered several grand halls, which were hung with silk tapestry, the alcoves and sofas being covered with stuffs of Mecca, and the porches with the richest stuffs of India, mixed with gold and silver. He came next into a superb saloon, in the middle of which was a fountain, with a lion of massy gold at each angle. The castle, on three sides, was encompassed by a garden with patterns of flowers and shrubberies, and to complete the beauty of the place, an infinite number of birds filled the air with their harmonious notes. The sultan walked from apartment to apartment, where he found everything rich and magnificent. Being tired with walking, he sat down in a veranda which had a view over the garden, when suddenly he heard the voice of one complaining in lamentable tones. He listened with attention and heard these words, O fortune, thou who wouldst not suffer me long to enjoy a happy lot, forbear to persecute me and by a speedy death put an end to my sorrows. The sultan rose up, advanced towards the place whence came the voice, and opening the door of a great hall, pushed aside the curtain. A handsome young man, richly habited, was seated upon a throne. Melancholy was depicted on his countenance. The sultan drew near and saluted him. The young man returned his salutation by an inclination of his head, at the same time saying, My lord, I should rise to receive you, but I am hindered by sad necessity, and therefore hope you will not be offended. My lord, replied the sultan, I am not much obliged to you for having so good an opinion of me. As to the reason of your not rising, whatever your apology be, I heartily accept it. Being drawn hither by your complaints, I come to offer you my help. Would to God that it lay in my power to ease you of your trouble. Relate to me the history of your misfortunes, but inform me first of the meaning of the lake near the palace, where the fish are of four colours, whose this castle is, how you came to be here, and why you are alone. Instead of answering these questions, the man the young man began to weep bitterly. How inconstant is fortune, cried he. She takes pleasure to pull down those she has raised. How is it possible, but I should grieve and my eyes be inexhaustible fountains of tears? At these words, lifting up his robe, he showed the sultan that he was a man only from the head to the girdle, and that the other half of his body was black marble. You may easily imagine that the sultan was much surprised when he saw the deplorable condition of the young man. That which you show me, said he, while it fills me with horror, excites my curiosity, so that I am impatient to hear your history, and I am persuaded that the lake and the fish make some part of it.
Therefore, I conjure you to relate it. I will not refuse your request, replied the young man, though I cannot comply without renewing my grief. Thereupon, he narrated. And that is the end of yet another lovely Arabian story. The next story will be the history of the young king of the Black Isles. I do remember this story vaguely. Uh, honestly, I believe I mentioned this in another episode. I don't remember which. But um, I'm looking forward to the voyages of Sinban. I do plan to do all seven in one episode. And that will be not the next Persian story, but the one thereafter. So anybody who's a fan of Sinban, whether you read the classic, you heard about it, you watched a cartoon rendition or the anime, you can look forward to that. But yeah, that'll be all for the, today's episode. As always, you can find this episode and more on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Samsung Podcasts, as well as the cast platform. If you feel so obliged, give me a follow at Talks with Kudo. Until next time, guys. Bye.